0: We're going to be in the book of Psalms this time. We're in our series. We're in part three uh, this week. As we study the book of Psalms this summer, we're going back today to Psalm number one. Uh, This Psalm is likely a Psalm of David, even though it doesn't say it is, but it most likely is. And David, in this Psalm, he contrasts the life of one who follows God and makes the choice to grow in his or her relationship with God versus the one who makes the choice not to grow, not to have a relationship with God, and who ultimately suffers the judgment of God. So this this, this passage kind of creates the two-path concept. You know, there's this path or this path. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry, I couldn't travel both, right? It's one way or the other. And uh, so there's the path that those who choose wisely will go on, and it involves growing spiritually and being blessed by God. And then there'll be those who choose the other path where they they don't want to follow God and learn his ways, and, and they don't experience the blessing of God, and they suffer loss along the way. So in the first three verses, we're going to learn how to live a life that God blesses. So if you say, I want God's blessing on my life, well, then this psalm is going to give you some good illustrations on how to do that. Success, happiness, blessing, these are, these are all determined by the way we live and the choices that we make. See, you, you, you have a role in this. It, it involves the choices that you make, not just something that God does, but as you follow God and do what God calls you to do, then he blesses your life with success, happiness, and blessings. And then success depends on the kind of people we are. Uh, what we do, you know, what we do matters. So if you want to really be blessed by God, that's what we're going to study today. So pay attention to this psalm. We'll begin reading in verse one. We're going to read the whole psalm. Blessed is the one who... Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've come before you this morning, and God, our desire is to hear from you. These good folks, Lord, have come. To hear from you today, not from me, so God, I pray that I would just fade into the background, and God, as we read your word and study it, God, that you would open our eyes to perhaps some things we've never seen before, help us to learn some things that we didn't know before. Uh, Lord, if there's any area of our life that we need to correct or make some changes in, then God, I, I pray that you would show us that. If there's things that we should start to do, God, show us those things, and if there's things we need to stop doing, we'll then point those out as well. So God, I pray that just as we study your word today, uh, God, that you would show us what you'd have us do. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this psalm, is re- it's really an awesome psalm. It's very short, but it's, it's filled with all kinds of uh, good stuff, or it. it's really God's blueprint for blessing. It's his, it's his pathway to prosperity, if you really get into it. In the Old Testament, blessing would be synonymous with what we would call success today. We would say, hey, you wanna be successful and in those days? They would say, hey, you wanna be blessed? And in these first three verses, we, what we really see is, is, hey, this is how to be successful in God's eyes. It's not just enough to be successful in the eyes of the world or in the eyes of man or for you to feel successful on your own. What's important is that we're successful in God's eyes, right? I've always loved the quote, my greatest fear in life is not that I'll be a failure, but that I'll be a success at that which makes no difference for eternity. How sad would it be to get to the end of your life and you've lived your whole life consumed with you? And God was just an afterthought or God just wasn't a big part of your life. I think you would find that to be very regretful. And so if you want to be successful in God's eyes, then it really is a choice that each one of us has to make. So in this psalm, we see see five truths that kind of help us to make these right choices so that we can live a life that honors God and uh, really enjoys uh, his success. So uh, truth number one, I want you to see that spiritual growth is a lifelong process. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. I mean, as followers of Christ, our desire should be that we would grow in our relationship with Christ, that we would daily be conformed to the image of his son. We would every day become a little more like Jesus in our lives, that we live a life that glorifies God, that we don't live for ourselves, but we live to bring glory to him and to honor him. So let's go in what the psalmist said here. Blessed is the one who meditates in the law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So if we're going to be Blessed by God according to biblical terms and be rightly related to Him, uh, and so that your life is fulfilled. You know, uh, if you want deep personal satisfaction, it comes by having a growing relationship with Christ. Uh, This isn't necessarily talking about circumstances that make you happy, Uh, it isn't something that necessarily happens because you're chasing after it. It comes as a result of the choices that we make. Every day we make choices. Every choice we make is a step in a certain direction. And that step is either taking you closer to God or further away from God. But every day, you and I make certain choices. And those choices have consequences. And those choices will determine whether we are successful, whether we are blessed, whether we're experiencing growth, whether we're deepening our roots, whether we're glorifying God. So I believe it's important that we intentionally develop our relationship with God, not something that just happens, not something that you just kind of through osmosis feel like you're going to grow in your relationship with God. No, it's a choice you make. You're going to intentionally pursue and and take steps to grow in your relationship with God. So spiritual growth is something that's achieved over a lifetime. There never comes a point where you've just reached the level of, you know, complete you know, uh, you're there. You're spiritually mature. There's like a green light that pops on. That's it. You're spiritually mature. There's nothing else for you to learn, right? You never get there. In fact, the, the further I am in my life, the longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize I don't know, right? The more I realize I have a lot more to learn. So we, we need to develop the habit of making wise, wise choices, uh, to develop good habits in our life that really uh, form our character, that grow our faith, and I believe that as we do these things, we're gonna experience God's blessing in our life. God blesses obedience, right? When we're obedient, when we listen and we read, we study his word, as we're growing in our relationship with him, as we live a life that glorifies God, he blesses us. And so Psalm 1 here assures us that it is possible to live a blessed life, a happy life, but it's on God's terms. Now, the, the, the world offers an alternative you know, the world, the world says, hey, you need entertainment. You want a blessed life. You want success. You need to be entertained. And so it's all about how much fun can you cram into a day or a week or a weekend or a lifetime. And you got to have all the toys and all the pleasures and everything that the world says is success. You know, cheap thrills and momentary pleasures. What you find is all of these things are fleeting. They, left, they leave you feeling empty at the end. That real happiness, authentic joy, true peace is only found in a right relationship with the Lord. You know, sometimes when God is developing us and maturing us, it isn't just the fun, happy things that we get to experience. God sometimes and often uses pain and difficulty and loss to stimulate growth in our life, right? You know, some of the most growing times in my life have been the most painful times in my life. We learn more in the valley than we do in the mountaintop. You know, it's because it forces us to depend on God. It forces us to really kind of get dialed in on, hey, what's really important in life, you know, when you're going through a really painful time. So just understand that spiritual growth is a continual process. Every day, you're making a choice about whether you're going to grow in your relationship with God or whether you're going to drift a little bit. So make the wise choice. Secondly, spiritual growth is not only about what you do, but it's also about what you don't do. So it's interesting that Psalm 1 is the gateway to the entire book of Psalms. And so it's Psalm 1, and you get to Psalm 1, 1, and if you look at the way it starts, it says, blessed is the one. It sounds like, hey, happy is the one who doesn't walk in in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So here, the book of Psalms actually kind of starts in a negative way, right? It starts with, hey, blessed is somebody who doesn't do this, this, and this. Um, He doesn't walk with the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of the sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the mockers. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you want to be blessed in life, you want to be happy, you want to be successful in God's eyes, you need to be really careful of who you're hanging with. You need to make sure that the people that you're spending time with are influencing you in the right direction. Because he says, listen, you see this progression. First it starts with walking, then it starts with standing, and then it goes to sitting. First the man's walking down the road, then he stops to hang out with the sinners, and eventually they prove to be such good company that he sits down and enters into just a real intimate fellowship with them. So what started off as a casual contact in the end becomes, truthfully, a pledge of personal allegiance. He's found his new group, and it's with the scoffers. To walk in step with the wicked is a phrase in the Bible here that used to describe a person who has embraced the worldview of those who've chosen not to follow God. A wicked person is a person who's done wrong and will stand guilty before God. And then the phrase that says, to stand in the way that sinners take, that's basically just, it involves a series of lifestyle choices. So in this passage, we see this sequence that goes from wicked to to sinner to mocker. Wicked to sinner to mocker. It's a progression from bad to worse. A wicked person is a person who has done wrong. A sinner in this context is a person who habitually does that which is wrong over and over again, and eventually they become a company of mockers. And these are people who have a long term friendship with those who openly reject the Lord. These people openly disdain God. They make fun of his word and, and people who follow his word. You see him, you know who they are. They mock the ways of God. They say, oh, well, you guys just follow a sky fairy or you guys, you know, you're going to believe in this, you know, this sky fairy and you know, all this stuff. We see that today and it's really prevalent and we need to be careful of the people that we associate with, the people that we hang with. Because the downward spiral often starts like this you start thinking like your unbelieving friends then you start behaving like your unbelieving friends and then eventually you belong with your unbelieving friends worldly wisdom leads to worldly action and before long it leads to worldly fellowship first you accept their advice then you imitate their action and eventually you adopt their attitude and it's just it all flows in one direction and it's all downward. And we need to be careful. That's what, that's what Psalm 1 is teaching. David is saying right out of the gate, the first thing you need to know is you need to be careful who you associate with. You need to be careful of your friend circle because they influence your life. Blessings don't just come from what we do. They come from what we don't do. We need to be careful. We need to avoid certain people. We need to avoid certain things. There's, you know, we just need to be careful. We don't hang out just anywhere with just anyone because it is easy to quickly begin to fall into their line of thinking. We see this over and over throughout Scripture. It says, hey, don't join yourself with these kinds of people. The apostle Paul said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I've told this to my kids from the time they were young teenagers. Listen, be careful. You know, no, you can't go over to that kid's house. You know, why? Why? You just you can't, you know. And uh, you have to, as parents, you have to, you have to be that person that helps them to make wise choices because really bad company corrupts good character. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You've probably heard the phrase, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Think about your friend circle. Think about the people that influence your life. Are they pointing you in the right direction? Are they they leading you into a closer relationship with Christ, or are they leading you away from Christ? You need to be careful. Are you going to end up finding yourself just beginning to, well, get a little bit more negative, get a little bit more worldly. You laugh at jokes that you used to wouldn't laugh at. You compromise your values in ways that you wouldn't have done in the past. You consent to things that typically you wouldn't ordinarily have consented to, but you know what? You're, you're, you're kind of just changing a little bit. You say, yeah, but preacher, aren't we supposed to reach the lost? Aren't we supposed to go out there and make friends with lost people so that we can reach them? Well, yes, we are but you don't win the lost by living like the lost you win the lost by loving them and then sharing Christ with them if you adapt the lifestyle of the lost people you know why are they going to want what you have because you're just becoming like them we're called to be in the world but not of the world and so that means we live among them you know we 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 love them we befriend them we care for them but we, we maintain distinct value systems because we, we, we live to serve God. We live to glorify God. That's our purpose in life. Most people that, are, that don't know Christ, their purpose is to achieve success and to, and to gather as much worldly possessions as they can by the time they pass away. That, that, that's how the world typically lives. Our, our goal in life is to live a life that pleases God. And that brings glory and honor to him. So we need to be careful. Uh, yes, we do need to be out in the world, but we need to make sure that the world doesn't get into us. It's okay when the boat is in the water, but you don't want the water in the boat, right? You know, that's kind of how we are. Now, at Venture, we have a very simple evangelism strategy uh, it's just invest and invite. Invest and invite. That's our evangelism strategy. Invest in building relationships with lost people and look for the opportunity to invite them into a relationship with Christ, whether that's you sitting down and having a conversation with them, whether it's you inviting them to church or some kind of an event where they'll have the the opportunity to hear the gospel. It's it's the very impetus behind the mobile market and what we do. Uh, We do the mobile market so that we can build relationships with people in the community and look for the opportunity to, to point them to Christ at some point. We meet their needs. We love on them. Yes, absolutely. We do that. But we do that because we want to invest in them. We want to build a relationship with them. We want them to come to us when they have questions, the big questions in life, and so that we can point them to Jesus and tell them all, tell them all about him. So spiritual growth is a lifelong process uh, that not only involves what we do, but also what we don't do. Thirdly, spiritual growth does require Bible study. Now, you know, here David is switching over to the positive ledger. Uh, you know, he's talked about not walking with the evildoers. And instead he says, we need to focus on our relationship with God. And we know God through God's word. Verse two, it says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Listen, the best way to get the rubbish out of your life is to pour God's word into your life. It's kind of how you flush the garbage out is by bringing the word of God in. Uh, you can't just mentally say, All right, I'm going to get all the garbage out of my life. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, you've tried that. You've prayed that. It doesn't work. You have to just continually put the Word of God into your life so that it, it just grows and, and uh, changes you. you. You replace the negative with the positive. So the psalmist tells us that a godly person delights in the law of the Lord. That means he loves the Word of God, loves the scriptures, loves the Bible. The word delight means to take pleasure in. It's this idea of of a consuming passion that controls your life. It's like, I really want to know God. I want to know what he wants me to do. I I want to understand God's word. You know, we all delight in some things, you know? Maybe you delight in your job. Maybe you delight in a career. Maybe you delight in having you. Maybe you delight in food. Maybe you delight in a particular friendship, Maybe you delight in money, maybe you delight in the things that money provides. There are so many, so many things that delight us in life, but God, you know, David says here through the word of God that those who are blessed delight in the word of God. They love his law. They meditate in it day and night. That word meditate has the idea of digesting something thoroughly. Uh, it's the same word uh, as ruminate when a cow you know eats the food then brings it back up and kind of chews on it over over a period of time you know just kind of just kind of chewing on it and thinking about it and pondering it and praying about it and you know we love to do that because we want to know God. He says that you do it day and night essentially what he's saying all the time you know we just love the Word of God all the time so, there's never a bad time to study the Word of God, to meditate in the Word of God, to ponder, to think about the Word of God. Do it in the morning, do it at night, do it day and night. But it's good to, it's good to think about God through his word. I hear people say, and you, you're gonna see, if you come to venture for any period of time, you're gonna see this illustration a thousand times because I think it's powerful. Yeah, I hear people say, I, I wish God spoke to me. I wish I knew God was speaking to me. Can I just give you an illustration? God's mouth is closed. God's mouth is open. You say, I want to hear from God. Okay, God's mouth is open. When you open the word of God, God has given you his word. This is how he speaks. You read the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, this within inside you as a Christian illuminates it and lights it. It opens it up to you and you'll hear God. You say, well, what does God's voice sound like? Well, in my life, it sounds like an idea. It's something that pops into my head. I'll be reading the word of God and something will pop into my mind and I'll just begin to realize that that's something I wouldn't ordinarily think about. So I'll ponder it. I'll meditate on it. I'll ruminate on it. I'll chew on that for a while. And that's kind of how it works in life. That's that's what you do. You don't have to make it real complicated. You don't have to become a theologian. You just need to read the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit of God make it come alive and then apply it in your life. There's some good habits you can make. You can you, you read through the Bible in a year. You can read through a, a, a you know one book of the Bible uh, a month. There's so many different reading plans. You can get right on the the Bible app, and there's great reading plans there. I really don't care how you do it, but just the fact that you do do it, that you spend some time reading. The Word of God to delight in the Word of God, meditate on it, memorize it. I can't wait till we get to the new campus. I can't wait till we can start Awana because I the thing I love about Awana is its concentration on kids memorizing the Word of God. You know, I mean, I mean, the kids they come to Awana and they study and they memorize the Word of God. I started going to Awana when I was in third grade, long before I was a Christian. Uh, you know, I would I would go to Awana. And, and, uh, you know, I memorized a ton of scripture, uh, as a young kid and you'll hear me, you won't, you won't realize it, but i pre- I preach out of the NIV 1984 version. That's what I preach out of every Sunday up here. But when you hear me oftentimes just quote a scripture, you're going to hear it from the King James version, because that's what they had in Iwana back when I was just about, you know, eight years old, you know, it's just, it's just what's in there. So, you know, meditate, memorize, read, study the word of God. It'll help you grow. Number four. Why do we do this? Well, spiritual growth brings stability and fruitfulness. And we need both. It says here in the passage that you know the person who builds the word of God into their life is like a a tree that's planted by streams of water. And, And really you see these twin virtues of stability and fruitfulness that are a result of this. So let's pick it up in verse three. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So here talking about stability that comes from uh, being rooted in the word of God, it's, it's talking about having a deep-rooted faith. That, that's what it means here when it's talking about a tree planted by the streams of water. It's a mighty tree that that develops deep roots that go far down into the soil. You know, it's amazing, but scientists tell us that when you see a big stately tree, often the root system underground is bigger than the tree above ground. And we don't think about that, do we? We see this big tree and we think, wow, that thing is huge. But there's a, a massive root system underneath that tree that provides the stability that that tree needs to stay. There's a a vast and unseen root system that holds it all together, that provides stability. That's how these trees are able to survive storms, hurricanes, floods, fires. You know, when everything above ground is just getting hammered and beat, yet that tree stands strong, it stands stable because it's got deep roots. That's how you tell if you have deep roots in your life is, is how do you respond when the storms of life hit? Do you crumble? Does your faith falter? Do you give up on God? Do you get angry with God? Do you, do you walk away or do you, or do you hang on? Do you stand strong? Do you stay tough? Because your faith is deep in God and you know that even though bad things are happening, God knows where you're at. God knows what's going on and you trust him. Listen, you don't wait until the storms of life hit to try and start developing deep roots, right? Deep roots need to develop over time, a long time. That's how you weather the storms of life. We've seen it. Uh, there was a massive tree in my backyard that when Hurricane Ian went over, I mean, th- th- this tree was, I don't know, the trunk was at least this big. It was a, it was a, it was a great big ficus uh, tree. It was just a huge tree, and it did have big roots, but it just didn't handle, it didn't handle Ian well. And down it went. I mean, the, just this root ball in this thing was just massive. Um, but, you know, sometimes big storms hit, and we need, to have, we need to have those roots if we're going to stand strong. So, you know, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to develop those roots. Meditate on the Word of God. Build a, fo- a solid foundation on the truth that way you'll be able to stand. Not only does it produce stability, but it also produces fruitfulness, fruitfulness. And I believe, you know, John 15 tells us that, that our life should bear fruit. We should be productive. You know, we, we should, there, there should be some results, positive results based upon our relationship with God. To speak of fruit in season means that this tree reproduces fruit. These inner characters uh, and, and, and character traits. I mean, how do you tell an orange tree is an orange tree by the oranges it produces? Right. Yeah, same with an apple tree. You can tell what it is by seeing the fruit in the tree. You, when you bring this into the spiritual realm, you know when you when you look at a you look at a tree, you look at a Christian who's deep in the Word of God. You 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 see fruitfulness in your life. You see the actions, you see what they do, you see their behaviors and their character, and you can tell that they are a follower of Christ based on who they are and what they produce in life. You know, we we you know the 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 fruit of the spirit Galatian talks about you know as we have a relationship with Christ it produces certain fruit love, joy and peace. And you know, when you need to have love in your life you'll find as you study the Word of God, God through his spirit and the the power of the word of God will give you the love so that you can love. He can love through you and you can have that love. You can have that forgiving spirit. You can have that courage that comes by having a deep trust in the word of God and in God. When you need patience, when you need perseverance, it comes as you study the word of God, as you know God, as you trust God, and, and, and it flows through you. It's just kind of this supernatural thing that God does in our lives. And this just kind of gets fully realized over time in our life as we, as we consistently, daily, and repeatedly grow in our relationship with him. So let's summarize here. Uh, you know, How do we have this relationship? Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. Spiritual growth is not only about what you do, but it's about what you don't do. Spiritual growth requires studying the word of God. And spiritual growth brings stability and fruitfulness. And lastly, I want you to see that spiritual growth leads to prosperity. Verse three says, whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. We all like prospers, right? We we, we all like prosperity, right? Anybody here wanna not be prosperous, right? No, I think we all wanna be prosperous. So you know, if God's word said, hey, here's how to be prosperous, then we probably should tune into that. Say, well, what does that mean? It says first, it says the leaf does not wither. It's, it's kind of like an evergreen, like that, like, like the leaf doesn't turn brown. It doesn't, it doesn't fall off. It, it stays in season all year round because it's constantly refreshed by the word of God, constantly being renewed, constantly drawing new strength for the situations that they face. Constantly renewed. And then it says, and they prosper in all they do. Folks, prosperity. It's not about material possessions and material success. When we make it about that, what we've done is we've chosen a cheap substitute for prosperity. We've chosen the world's definition of prosperity, not God's definition of prosperity. You can prosper no matter what happens to you in life, whether good or bad. You can find strength. You can find hope in the midst of The most difficult situations in life. And you'll see this fruit. You'll see God bearing good things in your life in the good times and the bad because we are deep in good soil. Because our roots reach out in many directions. And we're constantly being nourished. So we can face tough situations and stay calm. Because we know We know, we've got deep roots. We know that God is faithful and that we can trust him. This thought is similar to what we see in Paul's letter to the the Romans in in, in Romans chapter eight, verse 37, where he talks about being in the midst of struggles and sorrow and persecution and famine and distress and nakedness and, and dealing with the sword. And he said, listen, those who are followers of Jesus, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors. And we can do that even when we face disappointment and sorrow and rejection and failure and sickness and abandonment and discouragement. Listen, you can still be prosperous even as you face the storms of life. Even in difficult times, we prosper. We thrive. We survive. And we're not destroyed because we have a strong faith. Success is not just a reward, it's the result of a godly life. It's tied to the decisions and the choices that you and I make on a daily basis. These roots are not developed in a day, but they are developed daily. You're not going to just one day have deep roots. It's going to take time, over time, studying the Word of God, being with other people, being a part of a, a community, that encourages, that that helps you in your faith. That, that is there with you every step of the way. You know, when you see a tree that is dying, the leaves are withering and the branches have become brittle. You can just walk over and, and snap them off. What do you know about that? Well, you know that that tree is dying. It's not. It's no longer. It's no longer being nourished from its root system. And we see that here in the last half of this psalm because it's a completely different story for those people. Verse four, it says, not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The final outcome the wicked is judgment before God and then ultimately destruction. The flourishing tree is a picture of life. The blowing chaff is a picture of death. One is a picture of blessing. One is a picture of abandonment. One delights in God and is blessed. One rejects God and is destroyed. This psalm uses the imagery of coming to a fork in the road. And you have to choose. Am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that way? One way leads to life. One way leads to death. Jesus used this same metaphor. You see this metaphor throughout Scripture. But Jesus himself warned. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Hey, leads to destruction. What's the last three words of Psalm 1 6? Wicked leads to destruction. Jesus said, the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus pointed out, listen, there's two roads. One's broad. Lacking faith, convictions, morals. No obedience to God. It's the easy way. It's the popular way. It's the careless way. Hey, it's heavily traveled and everybody's going on that road. Problem is that road leads to destruction. And many of them just don't realize it. The other road is kind of unpopular. It's narrow. It's not easy. It's often wrought with difficulty and pain challenge it's not always easy but it's always right and it's always blessed my friends what does David tell us here what does the psalmist say what did Jesus say well following God is a choice that we each make every person in this room makes a choice follow God or not follow God to follow the path that leads to eternal life, to follow a path that ultimately leads to eternal judgment. At the end of the day, it's a choice that we each make. It's important that we choose wisely, amen? Let's pray together. Just before I pray, if you're here this morning and maybe the Holy Spirit of God has just begun to tap you on the heart and say, you know what? You need to make sure make sure you're on the right road. Maybe there's never been a time when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe there's never been a time when you trusted Him as your Savior. Maybe you thought that the way that you get on that right road is by doing good works or being a good person or being part of a certain church or denomination. And unfortunately, my friends, that's not what it's about. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is putting your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross to pay for our sins. It's, it's believing in Jesus. It's putting our complete trust in him. It's a willingness to repent of our sins and follow Jesus in our life. If you say, I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I've ever trusted Christ as my savior. My friend, then you're, you're at a decision point today. You're at a crossroad. You're at an inflection point, point. you need to choose wisely. You know, the greatest gamblers are not in Atlantic City, they're not in Las Vegas this morning. The greatest gamblers are sitting in churches all across this country, and they're hearing a message where they have the opportunity to respond, but instead they say, I'll think about that, or maybe I'll do that one day. And they gamble their life, their eternal destiny, instead of making the choice to trust in Christ. If You're here today, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I encourage you Put your faith in Jesus today. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for the sins that we had committed. He rose from the dead, proving that he was indeed God. And he makes the offer of salvation free to anyone who will receive it. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you want to be on that narrow road, you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's a decision. It's a choice that you make. I encourage you to make it. I'll be happy to lead you in a prayer, but I want you to know that it isn't the words of a prayer that'll get you into heaven. It's, it's your faith. It's your trust. It's you making the choice that you're going to trust and follow Jesus, not just the fact that you said words of a prayer. So if you're here this morning as say, preacher, I'd like to do that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live that blessed life. Well, then... Between you and the heart of God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But again, this is between you and God. This is, I'm just leading you in a prayer to kind of help walk, help you walk down that path. But these words must mean, be meaningful to you. must be what you believe. So if you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior this morning, just pray with me, I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize I'm a sinner and I've done wrong. I've broken your law. I've broken the Ten Commandments. I've taken your name in vain. I've disobeyed parents. I've coveted. I've stolen things. I've said things I shouldn't say, done things I shouldn't do. I've broken so many of the commandments, so many of the laws. God, I've done so many things in life. that displease you. God, I realize I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on Calvary's cross, paid for the sins of the world, and rose from the dead, proving that he was indeed God. And God, the best I know how, I'm asking Jesus to forgive me and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I want to walk that narrow road. I want to live a life that pleases God. God, I'm putting my trust in Jesus today. And God, I pray, that, I pray that you would bless my life and that you would help me to grow deep in my relationship with you. And God, that at the end of my life, you would be pleased. But Father, thank you for saving me. Use me for your honor. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior this morning, I want you to know myself, Pastor Roger, Pastor Fernando, Pastor Sean, we're here to help you on this journey of faith. It's our desire to help each person in this church take their next step of faith, whatever that is. So, whatever, If you've been a Christian for 30 years, we want to help you take your next step of faith. And if you've been a Christian for about... 18 seconds. We want to help you take your next step of faith. So anything we can do, it starts by you letting us know, you know, shoot us an email, Tim at VentureNaples.com, Roger at VentureNaples.com. Just shoot us an email. Say, Hey, I trusted Christ as my Savior today. I'd love to know more about that. Hey, nothing would thrill us more than to be able to sit down with you and have a cup of coffee and talk and, 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 and just help you get started in this faith journey. So, you know, but we're going to leave that to you. You know, It's a choice you have to make. If you want some help, if you want us to talk, we'll help you, but you make the call. You send the email. You reach out or talk to us after the service. We'll help you know way we can. Amen? All right, let's all stand as we sing our final song this morning.